There was a brief period when I had to cover the commodities business as a risk manager. It's very different from other asset classes. The key word is physical. Although the bulk of commodity trading is financial through futures trading, for example, at some point we get down to the requirement to physically move something from the seller to the buyer. In 2020, there was much hilarity at the price of oil went negative. The reason for this unprecedented move was that demand collapsed due to a sudden lockdown, whereas oil companies find it very difficult to shut off the supply. When demand drops below supply, warehouses take the slack and the producers sit on their hands until the, the opposite happens. In the 2020 case, the drop was steep. The warehouses were full and the storage costs rocketed. Those holding the future that was approaching the time to delivery, as you, as you might know, most trading is done in the next month to avoid this nonsense, could not take delivery. Their warehouses were full and nobody was at the pumps. It's kind of like a short squeeze in the stock market, whereas this is a long squeeze carried into negative pricing. Most physical trading occurs at a walking pace. There is a pipeline that travels slowly from Houston to New York. Operators add their product into the pipeline and take it out whenever they have a buyer at the right price. The oil stored in tankers can change hands several times and routes to, to maximize an embedded option based on price and location. The most extreme market for physical is kind of strangely not physical in the biblical sense because it's energy. Supply needs to, needs to balance expected demand over a very short horizon to avoid the lights going out. The solution is to have a supply mix of base and variable load. The cost of electricity changes throughout the day based on the high marginal costs of variable energy. The variable supply can be offload for, you know, for long periods, only to come online for short bursts. The power station in De Norwig in Wales, apologise to all those who are Welsh, called Electric Mountain, pumps water up when electricity is cheap and lets it run down to the generators when we all put the kettle on during a commercial break. In the US Eastern Seaboard, the market for electricity includes transmission rights that variable producers sell to energy companies in the form, it's kind of like an option premium. The transmission rights gives the energy company the right to purchase electricity at a specific time and price. The variable producer can earn premium income without firing up their gas plant, thus covering the maintenance costs while electricity trades below its break-even price. I would say this is a very clever solution that incentivizes variable producers. However, there is a small problem. The link between power and gas in the, in the US is quite extreme, thanks to the country's switch away from coal-fired thermal generation and the rush to fracking. I believe it was uh, Hurricane Sandy in 2012 that kicked things off when electricity prices spiked due to outages. The transmission rights kicked in 
only for the gas grid to fail to deliver to these small operators closer to urban areas because the compressor stations are electrically powered. Sandy happened when I took over commodities and found a team that has shortened transmission rights but had no access to power generation to deliver the contract. The only recourse was to repurchase them at a premium, something like over 10 times what they had sold. To my dismay, the head trader had persuaded my predecessor that such a move would be a 10 standard deviation event. It was like talking to the Queen of Hearts that exclaimed, why I believe at least six 10 standard deviation event excuses before breakfast. I'm a great fan of renewables, but they have a challenging feature to manage within the construct of baseload plus variable. Once you install a solar power or wind turbine, there is a zero marginal cost of production. And the price of you know, the gas-fired electricity references the cost of purchase and storage. A wind turbine has no equivalent input, so it stays on similar to a baseload. Only it's not reliable, given a high pressure eliminates its power capacity. If a turbine owner did not have a guaranteed price of power, the cost of electricity would frequently trade below zero as they pay for another producer to go offline. Fortunately, these operators have government contracts that guarantee a fixed price for up to something like two decades. The cost of this arrangement is close to about £10 billion per year. That pops up in our electricity bills as a green tax. If the sun is not shining and the wind is not blowing, where will we get power? Given that it's, I don't know, it's pretty dark in the British Isles. The answer is to purchase power from countries such as France and Norway, or pay for many gas stations to be mostly idle. One solution is either green hydrogen or battery powers on a grid scale, but the technology and infrastructure is some way off. There is a reason why GB only wins the figure state skating and tea trade competitions at the Olympics, and that is we have nothing much of a mountain range and are mostly away from main metropolises. Forcing us to switch from the internal combustion engine will worsen, worsen the current imbalance, as the only investment in new capacity will be renewables. I'm not sure there's enough lithium to go around, but suppose this fleet is possible, then we will have 20 million power storages parked on our streets. If we could find a way to get these these driving battery packs to absorb surplus generation to then give it back to the grid when needed, we might be onto something. Power is notable by its central control, preferring large government banks, providers and distributors. Who would want to who would want to build a nuclear reactor? We all like the status quo, as we do not wish to doubt every time we switch on a light. Power delivery is fantastic because it is invisible. But these days are numbered unless we inject some intelligence into the policy debate. We should switch to, our, to a risk modelling mindset when we consider the dynamics of the power grid. The transmission rights mentioned above is a clever piece of risk mitigation as it aligns incentives with income. 
when we include concepts such as emission rights and carbon tax into the mix and long-dated purchasing agreements, we can slice and dice the lights-out risk effectively. We can only hope that someone in authority has the backbone to sidestep the doctrine and leave it to the industry and possibly some financial wonks to figure out a way to balance supply and demand. I'm sure that we can come up with a solution for all eventualities, such as those rare moments when it is not sunny in southwest London, which does happen, but only when Fulham FC is losing at Craven Cottage. <laughs>